Welcome to the podcast of Eden Worship Center. We believe that God has perfectly revealed himself through scripture alone, and that salvation comes by grace alone, from faith alone in Christ alone, and that everything is for the glory of God alone. So as we study God's unchanging, inerrant word together, ask God to open your eyes, to open your eyes to see yourself and your own sin clearly. Open your eyes to see Jesus clearly. And pray that God would give you the grace to repent, to turn from your sin, and the faith to trust in Christ alone for your salvation. If you'd like more information, go to our website at edenworshipcenter.co. We want to take just a few moments this morning to look together into God's Word to find our strength, our hope, our encouragement in the unchanging Word of God. So would you grab your bulletin? And as you're doing that, there is a QR code that's on there. There's a website that's on there. If you want to follow along, uh, right on top, the esv.org is on there. If you just take your phone, you can take a picture, just scan that QR code, uh, and it'll take you to ESV's website. Uh, It's the version of the Bible that we read from when we read publicly here. There's a lot of good versions of the Scripture, but we, we really encourage our people to have God's Word in their own hands. Uh, If you do that, uh, or if you brought your Bible with you, would you open up to Zephaniah chapter 3? Zephaniah can be found uh, by looking at the index at the beginning of your Bible. For those of you who like, I have no shot of finding Zephaniah in here. We're going to get to that in just a second. But I think most of us who are old enough remember 9-11. You remember where you were. You remember what you were doing when you heard about it. You remember how it felt in those first hours and then days when we suddenly became aware that our country was under attack. What was next? What was coming? There was fear. There was anger. There was a sense of deep loss. And on that day, it didn't matter if you were black or white. It didn't matter if you were rich or poor, Democrat or Republican, On that day, we were all Americans. There were bumper stickers. Those of you who remember that time, uh, bumper stickers everywhere that said things like, these colors don't run. The flag was everywhere in those days. Bumper stickers that said, remember. Bumper stickers that said, never forget. And bumper stickers, most of you probably had one on your card that said, united we stand. The problem is, 20 years later, we in fact did forget. We forgot what happened on that Tuesday morning. We forgot the heartbreak, the violation of our peace and our security. We forgot the cost that fathers and mothers paid who would never come home to their children who are now grown. We forgot the bravery of our first responders who immediately following 9-11 we hailed as heroes and rightly so and now are attacked in the media on a daily basis. We forgot that they were the ones, and and we began to hear this phrase for the first time, who ran into trouble while others ran away. They didn't have to be there. They went because there were people in trouble who needed their help. From the military, we've forgotten 6,715 families who lost sons or daughters in Iraq and Afghanistan under the titles of Operation Desert Storm and Enduring 
freedom, only we've just recently learned that that freedom was not enduring. This has been an incredibly difficult time for many of you. I know many of you personally bear on your bodies, because of your service to our country, the scars and the wounds as you paid for our freedom. Testifying to the bloody cost of freedom. Yet there's many who have never deployed to some far remote corner of the world. You've been right here. The the men and women of our fire departments and police departments, our EMTs who have served right here on the home front, you as well have defended our liberty and safety, our security, even though that has not been far from home. In fact, it makes it even more precious to us because it has been close to home. We are the ones who have called on you in our time of need. You've been fighting to save lives and homes and families, to push back evil and those who do evil, to establish justice. If you can hear this just echoing from our founding fathers, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, to secure the blessings and liberty to ourselves, And even as God promised to those who are faithful to him, to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. The problem with all that is anyone who's actually served in that capacity can tell you clearly this morning, whether it's trying to save a neighbor, a friend, a stranger, a young person or a senior citizen, where your hands have literally been on their body, willing their heart to beat, begging them to stay with us. Those people here this morning can tell you so often, it's not enough. We're just not enough. With all of our modern technology, we cannot ultimately save life or give life. With all our modern wisdom and understanding, we cannot fully rid our streets and community of evil and injustice. Because that's true, first responders who serve us, because those things are true, if you're honest, there are days where you say, I'm not sure it's worth it. I'm not sure it's worth it emotionally, the cost that I pay. I'm not sure it's worth it physically, relationally, time away from my family, emotional wounds that I bring home to my family. We know you feel that way because we know this world is broken. And so every year at Eden Worship Center on the Sunday that's closest to 9-11, it is our privilege to invite you not only to bless you and say thank you, but to encourage you, keep going. We need you. We need you. We, We cannot continue as a community if our police and fire and EMTs burn out and no longer are there to serve and protect us. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk a little bit about why we have this problem and where our hope lies from that problem, because you may not be able to change the world. Let's be honest. Most of you, when you got involved in your profession, whether it's firefighting or police, it was because you wanted to make a difference and you wanted to help people. You cannot change the world, but you are helping one person at a time, one family at a time, 
even just one incident at a time. As we look back 20 years later from 9-11, with all that our country is going through and right in the midst of, if you're going to keep fighting, you have to know why this world is the way that it is. You have to know where real hope is found. So here's what I want to do. I, I want to sketch a really quick picture for you. I'm not going to assume anything. So sometimes when you come and visit a church, uh, they seem to talk one language and you talk another, and then you leave and you go, I'm not really sure what they were talking about. Right? So we're, we're going to try and uh, not do that this morning. But the, the starting place where we have to begin is that there is a God who made the heavens and the earth. There's a God who created everything that we see around us, and his creation was perfect. There was no sin. There was no crime. There was no sickness and death. And into that perfection, he put Adam and Eve. Genesis 1, 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it. And so it was, verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. But sadly, that is not the world that we live in anymore. Because that's Genesis 1. By the time we get to just Genesis 3, the third chapter in this Bible, man rejects that God. Man rejects his plan for them. Man rebels against their God and demands their own way. I want what I want, and I want you to give it to me right now. Man, doesn't that sound like so many that we hear today? I want what I want, and get out of my way if you won't give it to me. And so all of us, because of that sin that we've inherited from Adam, have been born into a world with our hearts and everyone else's hearts bent towards sin. What what God started as a perfect creation, sin has bent towards sin and away from God away from peace with each other, towards selfishness. And so, in the midst of a world that that is growing further and further away from God, God chooses one man, Abraham. God chooses one man to say, I'm going to make a family out of you, out of all the families of the earth. And to you alone, I'm going to reveal myself. That you might know who your God is, you might know what your God requires And so Abraham and his descendants become the Jewish Hebrew people, and they're pointing us towards something. It's not that they were better than any other family. They weren't. They they had all the same problems. Read through Genesis. All the same problems that we see in the rest of the world, but they were pointing to a true Savior who was coming. All of the Old Testament is pointing us towards Christ, the true Savior who was coming. But it doesn't take very long as this family grows. Most of you are familiar with the story of them uh, being in Egypt and then the exodus as they come out of that time of slavery in Egypt and entering into a phrase that whether you go to church or not, you know this phrase, the promised land. They've been there a really short period of time and God raises up people called judges. Judges were just leaders or rulers over the people. So it it was sort of a religious role and sort of a political role. They've just recently got to the promised land, and as long as this judge, this leader, was, as it were, holding their hand, walking them in the right direction, they did what was right, but we find again and again in this book of Judges where it says as soon as that person was gone, in fact, this is, how is this, for anybody else been frustrated with our nation in the last year? Where you feel like, I am 
I'm doing everything that I can. Other people are doing everything that they can, and it just isn't enough. It feels like this divine experiment in democracy might just be falling apart. God leads his people to the promised land. This is literally the last verse in this book of the judges, the rulers, those who sought to establish the Jewish people in the promised land. Last verse, in those days there was no king in Israel. Tell me if this doesn't sound like today, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And it was chaos. It was wickedness. Man, that sounds like us today. It's in that context that a prophet named Zephaniah comes. He's an Old Testament prophet. Now this is 500 years after they've entered the promised land. All right, so just frame of reference, that's twice as long as America has been a nation. This experiment in democracy, they are two times past that when this prophet comes and speaks to them. He's going to call them, as most Old Testament prophets do, back towards faithfulness in God. So kids who are in this room, let me ask you a question. Do you know the difference between right and wrong? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Now, moms and dads, plug your ears because you're not going to want to hear this. Kids, have you ever done something that you knew was wrong? Right, even though you knew it was wrong, you did it anyways, right? I love the honesty of children. They're like, yes, of course I have. Here's the problem with that. Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament says that we all know the truth. We all know the righteous requirements that God has made for all humanity, but we love our sin, and so we suppress the truth. We push it down. Kids, you do this too, right? So if you, you have something that you know is wrong, and then you do it anyways, the biggest thing that you're afraid of is what's going to happen when mom and dad come home? What's going to happen when mom and dad find out? That explains another word we find in Romans chapter 1, which is wrath. It says we all know what's right, we know what's wrong, but we love our own sin, we're, we're selfish, we want our own way, and so we suppress what we know to be true. And then Romans 1 says this sort of terrifying verse that we are storing up the wrath of God for ourselves. Because God's holy, perfect, just wrath, just like mom and dad who come home and find the house destroyed and now you face the wrath of mom. Anybody ever face the wrath of mom? How much more when we, through our sin and selfishness, have destroyed God's good creation, God's perfect world? Yes, it was corrupt when we got here, but we've added to it. Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7 says this, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love and devotion to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Now hold on, because we're not going to like this next part too well, but I want to make the argument, I think you do like it. We love that God loves, God forgives, no matter what. God loves, God forgives, but listen to this next part. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. This is not a God who just decides, look, you're guilty and I'm going to let you off the hook because I'm going to let everybody off the hook. It's no big deal. We don't want that type of God. And I promise you, if you're a firefighter or you're in law enforcement here this morning, 
you know exactly what I'm talking about. We don't want the type of God, we don't want the type of judge who hears the case of a little four-year-old boy whose body has been destroyed as our officers and first responders get to him in Shipshawana. We don't want the, the perpetrator of that to go before a judge and have him go, listen, it's okay. We all make mistakes. We're going to let you skate on this one. We want a righteous judge sitting in our courts, and we want a righteous judge sitting in our heavens that said, I will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. We want that type of God. And so this prophet comes to these people who've gone astray and warns them to turn to God. Turn away from the other gods. Turn away from themselves and return to the one true God. Now, before we read this, I want to caution us because we've got a problem going on in our nation, and that is you see it all over Facebook and social media where we take God's chosen people, the people of Israel, and we take America and we mush them together like they're the same thing. All right, America is not God's chosen people. We are grateful for our nation that we live in. Amen? And yet God has promised faithfulness to his people, but righteous wrath towards those who reject God. That means that there are Americans who will receive God's faithfulness, and there are Americans who will receive God's wrath. What separates them isn't what country they're from, it's how they respond to God. Are are you tracking with me so far? So let's be careful not to write the word America into our Bibles here. But we can see this illustrated so clearly. 20 years after 9-11, after all of our patriotism, what happened to that? After all of our unity, what happened to that? Well, as sin often does, it dissolved in, from patriotism into nationalism. Nationalism that actually divided on party lines. And I've never seen our country as divided as it is right now. That's only 20 years after united we stand. We will never forget. Just like in Zephaniah's day, each one has turned to what is right in their own eyes. So Zephaniah, the prophet, speaks God's word. His actual name means God will hide or protect. God will hide his people. God will protect his people. In the day of trouble, he will be the shield for his people. So just a little bit of a biblical perspective. It's easy to see why we are where we are. People are sinful. People are selfish. They want their own way. No matter what you say, no matter what's good for the rest of society, no matter how hard you try and stand as that thin blue line for law enforcement or red line for fire department between them and the chaos around them, they seem to just choose evil. So the only hope for our world, and especially you as first responders, It cannot be a man, whether that is from the president or the chief of the fire department, the marshal of the police department, or our county sheriff. It has to be a God who never changes. Listen to Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14. It says, the great day of the Lord. Remember I said his name means that God will hide and God will protect. Well, one of the things he says as a prophet again and again in this really short book is the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. It's a phrase he repeats actually more than any other Old Testament prophet. And he's saying this God, who is the perfect righteous judge, will restore order. That day is coming. 
And if you're on the wrong side of that, that's going to be a really scary day. He says the great day of the Lord is near. It's near and hastening. It's coming fast. The sound of the Lord is bitter. The day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries out aloud. Why is that? Because rich or poor, doesn't matter, verse 18, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. The theme he keeps coming back to as he warns the people, he says there's two groups of people. It's not Democrats and Republicans. It's not rich and poor, black and white. It's proud and humble. The proud are those who say, I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm the boss. I get to decide what's right or wrong for my life. And the humble say, I'm going to do whatever God says is right for my life. One who says, I must have it my way, and one who says, I will submit and surrender to God's way. So we see in Zephaniah 2, verse 3, he calls them again, seek the Lord. But listen who he talks to, all the humble in the land. You who do his just commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden. You remember that from his name? That this is what our God does for those who trust in him. He hides them in the day of trouble, on the day of the anger of the Lord. So I want to look really fast through Zephaniah 3 here. Because I want you to see where our hope lies and where our hope does not lie. He's going to start in Zephaniah 3, verse 1, talking to the city, the city of Jerusalem, as if it just represents the nation. Oh, I think we can hear an echo for our own nation today. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled this oppressing city. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Oh, hear this echo. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. There's all these corrupt people who are leading the nation astray. A nation led by corrupt leaders who are rejecting God. And I love that he even makes a reference to what would be the TV preachers of his day. These prophets, these priests who are misrepresenting God to the people. But listen, none of that affects who God really is. What you believe about God doesn't change God one bit. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, he is sovereignly ruling over every nation and over this nation. Look at verse 5. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. When you have an entire nation full of injustice and corrupt leaders, God is within. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail. But the unjust shows no shame. I have cut off nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I have laid waste to their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me. This is God speaking to the people. You will accept my correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. No matter what God said to them, they were rebelling. They were turning. It's as if God is painting 
in this nation and I believe in our nation. Have you ever seen these guys who are the artists who start with a, a large canvas, usually in front of a crowd, and they're just sort of splashing dark and light on it? And it looks random, and then they start adding color to it. And then because these guys are geniuses, about halfway through, they flip the canvas. And I remember this from uh, several years ago, and they flip it around, and it's one of the firefighters from 9-11 holding a small child, and and the crowd suddenly together at one time goes, I see it. I see what he's been painting this whole time. This was in the artist's mind, in the creator's mind this whole time. I just couldn't see it till right now. I think that's what God is doing in the nation in Zephaniah's time. I think that's what God's doing in our time. That God is using people, good and evil, to paint a picture not of us, but of him. Of him who is our Savior, who is our Redeemer. By the way, I uh, got a hold of this guy that's on the screen about 10 years ago to see if we could get him to come to a Patriots Day service. And I talked to him personally. He was a super nice guy. And then he said, yeah, it's only $25,000 to get him to come. So I'm showing you a picture of him. (laughs) That's how that works. Here's the problem. Mankind is broken. We're sinful. Even those of us who are wanting to serve and protect our hearts are bent towards sin too. And so the encouragement isn't look to your police or look to your fire department, look to your political leaders to save you. No, the encouragement we find in Zephaniah is the Lord is righteous. The Lord is justice. He will never fail. See, in saving, he shows him to be a savior. And in condemning the wicked, he shows himself to be that righteous judge. So in verse 8, he says, therefore, Wait for me, declares the Lord. Zephaniah 3.11, he says, On that day you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. See, we all have rebelled, good and bad, proud and humble. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, here's what God says, For those who humble themselves, who trust in Him, who look past their own ability to Christ upon the cross, that perfect sacrifice to take away our sin, he says, I'm going to remember your sin no more. In fact, he makes a promise for those who will trust in him. He says, I'm going to leave in your midst the humble, those who are trusting in the power of God and not themselves. Because everything in our life is meant to cause us to look to God. Every difficulty is meant to point us to trust in Christ and not trust in ourselves. That was, that was the truth for every Old Testament sacrifice that had came. When, when God picks Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you my people. And so to atone for their sin, there was sacrifice, and it was all pointing towards Jesus, who would be that perfect sacrifice. Men and women, every detail that you have been dispatched to, when you come face to face with the reality that I don't have the power to fix hurt and broken and evil in this world is meant to point you towards a God who is all-powerful. Our lack of power is meant to show us his great power. Now I want you to think about this. We're almost done here. Zephaniah is talking to a nation that's about 500 years old in the promised land, twice as old as America. They've been there five. 100 years. Look at the person next to you and say 500 years. 
Five, that's a long time, yeah? Right? That's longer than any of us are going to live. They've been there a long time. It's always looked like this. It's always going to look like that. And Zephaniah comes and says, listen, trouble is coming. Catch the timing here. They've been here 500 years. Within 20 years of Zephaniah saying this, another nation's going to attack them. Another nation is going to not just attack them. They're the Babylonians. They're going to conquer them, kidnap them, and exile them. Let me give you some perspective. We've only been around for about 250 years as America, but imagine tomorrow if I told you Afghanistan in 20 years is going to invade and conquer and exile most Americans. You're going to be taken out of our country and made to live somewhere in the Middle East. You would say there's no way. That's the context. I want that to be startling to you because of what we're going to read in just a second where he says, I'm still in control. Anybody else ever looked at our nation and thought, it feels like the bad guys are about to win? That's true here. It appeared to be true. Within 20 years, after 500 years as a nation, within 20 years they would be captured. And by the way, uh, until the mid-1940s, Israel was not a nation again. That's right, a couple thousand years. Only listen to what God says to them. This is Zephaniah chapter 3. We're going to read verse 14 to the end. They're coming to take you away in 20 years. That's, how many agree that's bad news? Yeah. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Hey, have you ever gone to church and they're, they're singing and they're, they're saying, oh yeah, just be glad. And you're like, why on earth should I be glad? Everything is awful. Kids, you remember that Lego movie where they have that song, Everything is Awesome? Right? This is the first responder version of that. Nope, everything is awful. Like, we only call you on our very worst day. Everything is terrible. What does he say to them? Sing, exalt, rejoice. He's not telling them to pretend. Follow this. Verse 15, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. What's going to happen in 20 years? They're going to be conquered. They're going to be taken away. And what does God say to them? In the midst of that, you never have to fear evil because I, your king, am right here. On that day, verse 16, it shall be said of Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. What's going to happen to them in 20 years? Come on. They're going to be conquered. Verse 17, Why do they not fear? The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. It, that, that word singing there can either be translated singing or more like a war cry. That God is the mighty warrior who stands over his people. What was going to happen to him in 20 years? They're going to be conquered. Only God says this is part of the judgment of sin coming upon a nation. But hold tight. Within 70 years, I am bringing you back. This is part of my plan. Verse 18, I will gather those who mourn for the festival. Old traditions like this, Patriot's Day. <laughs> the Jews had been doing it for about 2,000 years, right? This is nothing. This is 20 years. Those of you who mourn for that which is lost, 
He says, behold, at that time, verse 19, I will deal with all your oppressors. We just don't get to see it today. Oh, listen to this good news. Any of you who've ever uh, worked with all of your effort to save someone's life, listen to this. At that day, I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in. At that time, I will gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This book ends very differently than the book of Judges. That said, the people did whatever they wanted to, and it was chaos. Here, this book says, in the end, God will do whatever he wants to, and he will restore order. He will restore that which he has created. Those who have rejected him will be punished. And those who have humbled themselves and trusted in Christ will walk in his blessing. That means every broken life and every broken body, God is powerful enough to save. Some we get to see in real time, here and now. Some we'll only see from the other side of eternity. Some of them will never make sense to you. Some of the things that you guys see on a consistent basis will never make sense in this lifetime, but I promise you there will come a day where you stand on the other side of eternity and there's a God who stands there perfectly right and perfectly justice and no one will ever get away with anything. Remember, he is saying, this to people who were going to be conquered. Those people were going to be in exile and none of this was going to make sense to them. That should be a good reminder that sometimes we can do everything that we can and it's just not enough. Yet God says, I'm mighty to save and I'm right in the midst of you. Every time you go out on a call that is too big for you, that is overwhelming for you, God is right with you. That's why We pray for you. That's why we encourage you. That's why we invite you so that we can say to you, God is with you. We need you. Keep fighting. So we thank you again for serving. We thank you again for your sacrifice. We would call you, be the hero, but put your trust in Christ. Would you pray with me? Worship team, would you come? God, we thank you for these men and women who serve our nation and our community. Lord, our hearts remember those in our military who are serving, who right now are separated from their families. We pray your blessing upon them because, Lord, right now they they stand defending our freedom. We pray, God, for our men and women of the first responders, our our police, our fire, our EMTs, who are right here. We pray your blessing on them because, God, right now they stand defending our freedom. So we pray, Lord, would you strengthen them? Would you keep them from discouragement and burnout? Lord, would you call integrity in them that they might serve righteously, even as you are a righteous judge? Lord, we pray blessing and strengthening on their families. 
God, we know the emotional and relational weight that comes with serving in this capacity, and we pray, would you preserve their marriages? Would you watch over their children? Lord, in all of that, would you lead them to trust in you? Not in themselves. God, we don't have the power to be strong enough to save. We don't have the power to cause evil to flee from our nation and America just to be a righteous nation. And so we look to you and we say, in your people, God, would you do your good work? In everything that is beyond our grasp, O righteous king, would you be that righteous judge? We commit that into your hands. We commit these precious men and women into your hands. We pray a blessing on them in Jesus' name. Just a minute, we're going to sing together to the doxology and be dismissed. As soon as that happens, we're going to uh, flip this room around, bring some tables out. Uh, we have ladies who've been serving this whole time in the kitchen, getting food ready. Uh, so it's, it should be ready just about the time we open those doors, but we'll, we'll let you know. We'll pray for the food, and then we want our first responders and their families to go through first. But would you stand together with me as we close by singing together this reminder that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So praise God from whom all blessings you. Thanks for coming. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining our podcast. We pray that God would bless you and strengthen you through his word. If you'd like to find out more about EWC or give tithes and offerings in support of this ministry, visit our website at edenworshipcenter.co.